I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello and welcome back to Kinda Cute and if you are new here, welcome. My name's Bailey Evan, I'm your host and on Kinda Cute we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Before we get into my long list of updates today, it's just going to be coming at you bullet style one right after another. Uh, I wanted to say and remind you to rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. I would really, really appreciate it. And now we can get in to the updates. So first off, to follow up on what we talked about last week with the whole Bon Appetit, Condé Nast, Adam Rappaport stepping down, Matt Duckor, who was head of video at Condé Nast, he did step down. And I've gotten the impression that he is really the one behind kind of these inequities in pay that the people of color were facing. And since we last spoke the people of color at Bon Appetit have pretty much all issued statements and a lot of people who used to work there, people who've done freelance work for them, most of the white staff apologize for their complicity. And one of the statements that I found really interesting was Christina Chase. And she talked about how the white people on staff would be given talent managers. And the talent managers are what gives them the ability to get sponsorship opportunities and a lot more money. And I also thought it was interesting that I learned between the the difference between Condé Nast Entertainment and the editorial team at Bon Appetit. So the people who just do videos like Claire and Brad, they have contracts with Condé Nast Entertainment. Whereas people who are editors and who do work within the magazine they're on the editorial team so I thought that was interesting and I always knew something was kind of fishy because at the end of I believe 2018 Claire left Bon Appetit and I was telling this to Kenzie the other day I'm like maybe my memory is completely wrong but I swear she left Bon Appetit so that she could start a bakery in Alaska and I know that sounds so and maybe maybe it wasn't Alaska maybe it was like Portland Oregon I don't I don't know. I swear it was Alaska, though. Uh, but she came back. And the reason I think she came back is because she felt like she was over, you know, worked and underpaid. And then when she left and came back, she renegotiated a new contract through Condé Nast Entertainment. And that helped matters. So I, I don't know exactly what went down there, but that's the gist of it. The new Bachelor was announced, and his name is Matt James. He's the first black Bachelor. But I found him a super interesting choice because he was supposed to be on Claire Crawley's season, which is the Bachelorette, and she's been on multiple seasons of prior Bachelorette spinoffs, like, you know, Bachelor in Paradise. But her filming got delayed due to COVID. So instead of keeping Matt on the show with Claire, they pulled him and made him The Bachelor, which I thought was really interesting because that's a move I don't believe they've ever done before. And he's friends with Tyler Cameron, which I believe is part of the reason he got on Claire's season. They went to Wake Forest together, but he's hot. It's about time they had a Black Bachelor. I might actually watch his season because I really haven't been watching in a while, and maybe it's time for me to get back on the train. Saucy Schroeder is pregnant with Bo Clark and there have been a lot of conspiracy theories circling because of the timing of this announcement. As you know, if you listened to last week's episode, Stasi came under fire and for 
racist things she'd said, problematic things she had done, and she ended up getting fired from Vanderpump Rules. She was dropped by the podcast company she works for. Her podcast was pulled. She lost her sponsorships. Basically kind of everything uh, monetary-wise she lost. Right after that happened, um, within the week, it was announced that her and Bo were pregnant and people are saying like some really messed up stuff that they think it's a conspiracy and that it's literally just to take the heat off what previously happened with her and that it's going to come out that, you know, she ends up losing the baby and that she was never really pregnant. I think that's awful and I actually don't think that's what's going on as much as I love a conspiracy theory. I totally think they timed the, the announcement to take the heat off of what she was getting with being fired from Vanderpump Rules, but I do think she's actually pregnant. She had said she wanted to be pregnant, and now with her wedding getting moved, I definitely think that's what actually happened. But it is interesting timing and kind of goes to show how the PR machine works. But she was dropped by her publicist and her manager, which I don't think I mentioned last time, but that did happen. John B. and Sarah from Outer Banks, a.k.a. Madeline Klein and Chase Stokes, are dating in real life. Now, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I do want to toot my own horn because didn't I say when we were talking about Chase liking Cody Simpson's poetry that I thought that maybe there was a thing going on at that house and maybe it was a little more than just friends? Well, lo and behold, that was right. I'm just saying. As you will recall, I talked shit about Rob Pattinson making pasta in the microwave And friend of the pod, Verge, has informed me that she is a proud owner of something called a pasta fasta. And maybe it's pasta fasta because it's fast with an A, but I think pasta fasta has a better ring to it. And it's a microwave pasta maker, and she instructed me not to knock it until I tried it. So naturally, I had to do some research, and I found it on Amazon for the low, low price of $16.99. I'm joking, that's not low at all for something that looks like a plastic Tupperware container, but I will give it this, it has a built-in strainer. But honestly, after perusing some reviews, people are into this stupid gadget. Who knew there was such a market for microwave pasta? I mean, maybe Rob was onto something. Has anyone other than Verge microwaved pasta? Please let me know because I'm pretty sure just like boiling a pot of water is basically the easiest thing you can do. So I really don't know why like putting it in the microwave is somehow easier. I mean, it, the the time it takes me to switch my dial on my oven to high is probably quicker than dialing in the little numbers on the microwave. So I don't know. Let me know. I've been binging Summer House as like a really light break from the day I have some thoughts because I had watched season one and two when they were actually on air but I didn't watch seasons three and four so I've been binging those and catching up and really what I want to talk about is justice for Jules they treat poor Jules like absolute crap like dirt on the bottom of their shoe and I think she seems really sweet like out of the girls in the house she's probably not the one I'd be friends with in real life like Me and probably every other girl would like to think they'd be friends with Amanda and Paige. Those would be my two main choices. But I think Jules is super sweet and I don't think she deserved the injustices that happened to her in the summer house. The cops who shot and killed Breonna Taylor and the ones present present, um, have not been arrested yet. And even though it's too little too late, at least the Louisville Metro Council unanimously voted to ban no-knock warrants. 
Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox have, I think, confirmed that they actually are a couple because they were spotted a smooching, not in a music video like we talked about last time. And speaking of Megan Fox, I cannot even keep up with these quarantine divorces. Kelly Clarkson and her husband just bit the dust too. It's just a lot. It really is. And then Alex Campo, who is on Siesta Key, another trashy piece of reality that I hate to admit that I've watched a couple seasons of. I'm not caught up, but he got the boot from Siesta Key for his racist comments and they are re-editing the season so that he's not really in it, which I wonder how much of a role he had in this season. So I wonder how it's going to be once they edit it all out. But honestly, I'm so happy about that. He's the biggest asshole. The show almost got canceled because when it was about to air, it came out that he was doing all this shark hunting, uh, fishing, and just being really brutal to the fish and animal cruelty, basically. I mean, I'm a pescatarian, so I can't talk because I eat fish, but I'm telling you, like, the stuff he was doing was gross, and he just, you can tell he's one of those people that severely lacks a moral compass, and he's probably so pissed because he's the one who actually brought this show to be. His dad is the owner of the super popular lawyer referral service out in uh the Tampa area of Florida, they have this amphitheater called the 1-800-GARY amphitheater. And that's like the hotline that his dad started. And that's where they have all of their money from. And he just because he's a bored little rich boy wanted to be on a reality show. So he pitched the idea and that's kind of how it got picked up by MTV. I don't know. It's just like, I'm sure he's pissed, but you know, that's what you get. Karma's a bitch, Alex. All right. Our first article of the day, guys, it's actually not from the cut it's from gq is this a gq podcast now guys i don't know they've been really hitting me with the good articles lately just kidding though i would never this will never become a gq podcast don't worry let's get into it tom sandoval is the number one guy in this group the elaborately groomed vanderpump rules star models a more thoughtful tolerant and plain extra brand of masculinity even as his show reckons with past racism and covid keeps his energy housebound by jolie kerr so let me set the scene for you guys the lead photo for this story is tom in a gray little fuzzy bathrobe he's putting on what appears to be concealer under his eyes while holding a little hand mirror And let me preface this by saying I am all for men wearing makeup. I'm all for men grooming themselves. I don't see how grooming and hygiene has become a feminine thing. It really, really bothers me. Kenzie and I were talking the other day about how it's kind of BS at weddings that the bridesmaids have to get their makeup done and their hair done. And the groomsmen just roll up, look like ragamuffins, hungover from the night before, can't even bother to like brush a comb through their freaking hair. I mean, can we start a petition that men should have to wear makeup too? Because you're getting photographed so much as a wedding party person. Like the least they could do is cover their zitty little faces and their under eyes. Is that asking too much of our culture? So I'm all for Tom keeping up his appearances, having a tanning regime going on. That's just, I just had to give that little rant first. Okay, so in February, Tom Sandoval bombed through Laurel Canyon and in his Mercedes E400, talking excitedly about the time he asked his hero, Neil deGrasse Tyson, if our evidence of dark matter is solely based on gravitational lensing. 
Sandoval, 36, is an unlikely science enthusiast. The star of Bravo's Vanderpump Rules is better known for his elaborate grooming routine than for his intellectualism, but he's drawn to science because it gives him something to believe in as an alternative to religion. Something that I love about scientific truths is that they are true, but not fact. They're true until proven otherwise. He pauses and his voice quiets as he considers why he's so drawn to truths that are not necessarily fact. It keeps people from being so close-minded. Wow, guys, Tom is the intellectual who knew this is sort of like his L. Woods legally blonde moment. What? Like, it's hard? Also, this article points out that any loyal fan would know the following fact. But in case you are listening and you are not a loyal fan, I think this will give you a chuckle because my sister revealed to me the other day that she did not know this fact. Sir Restaurant, Sir stands for Sexy Unique Restaurant, making it Sexy Unique Restaurant Restaurant, which isn't important, but it is funny, uh, Jolie writes. And I agree. It's hilarious. I, I never gets old to me. Like, what was Lisa th- thinking? Okay, so then it goes on to say he's unabashedly vain about his appearance in ways that men typically don't talk about. He doesn't just tan, he has a tanning strategy. It involves his ankles. I'd just like to jump in to say that tanning has to be a strategy. It involves a lot of my mind space. I don't like to admit that, but. The thing with fake tan is that once you have it on, you are like a bubble boy. You cannot touch water. You cannot get near water. You cannot sweat. You cannot cry. And I just think that's something to keep in mind when you're planning out your day. Like you can't put on a nice fresh tan and then go spinning. It's not going to work. He cries openly and easily. He effusively tells his male friends, I love you, even through those tears. In an incredible display, he arrived at BravoCon in full drag. He's flashy and it's a lot of fun to watch. But as the seasons have gone on, eight of them so far, something more significant emerged about Tom Sandoval. He's seemingly unbound by the structures of masculinity. He calls it being extra AF, but there's something more zeitgeisty, less just for camera, about his extraness. And as people increasingly question and push against antiquated notions of what it means to be a man, and as the show reckons with its place in 2020, firing four cast members involved in racist incidents, something strange has happened. The cartoonish star of a show about straights behaving badly in a gay playground became a compelling model for a kinder, gentler, more tolerant, and far more aggressively groomed brand of masculinity. So we're getting deep here. Let's unpack. I, again, I I think I went into this like thinking this was just going to be a laugh and I was going to come out of it just really not taking Tom any more seriously than I ever have. But this is kind of presenting a new light to me. Was Tom Sandoval the hero of Vanderpump Rules that I could never, like I never saw? I I just feel like my eyes have been (laughs) open to something. Okay, so then the article points out that the show's fan base skews heavily female and gay male. And it severely lacks representation when Billy Lee was one of the only gay, uh, I'm sorry, she was one of the only people part of the LGBTQ plus community, and she was only on it for two seasons, and she was not um, portrayed in a positive light. And maybe that's how she actually is. I have no idea, but I would say from watching the show, she doesn't come off well and I don't know how much of that is from how she was treated by her co-stars and the editing. 
And then a big storyline last season was also how Jackson and Brittany, who were getting married, they were planning to have an outspokenly homophobic pastor officiate their wedding. And it was actually Tom who confronts Jax about it. And Jax kind of kicks him out of the wedding for not letting it go. And I mean, he, he lets him back in, but it's just, it's true. And I've definitely, as I've been watching Summer House in between trying to educate myself, I really was taking a look at these Bravo shows I was watching. And I'd always acknowledged before, like how the lack of diversity there. But when you really think about it, you're like, wow, this is literally white straight people. And that's all it is. Like, it's it's crazy. The lack of representation they have and how segregated their own shows are. Having, you know, Married to Medicine, Real Housewives of Potomac, Real Housewives of Atlanta being the traditionally black shows on Bravo. And then the rest of it just so taken up by white people. Anyways, getting on to this next quote, this is from Peter. He says, it's benefited me because, you know, I'm a very masculine guy. He's talking about his relationship with Tom. But seeing him be the way he is has helped me progress a little bit. I used to just wear black, but now I wear like blue pants. Peter is dead serious about incorporating blue pants into his wardrobe and into his life. About what being a blue pants guy would say about him. About the Vista's blue pants might open about the change in internal chemistry that accompanies a shift in self-expression seeing someone else have the courage to be himself gave me the courage to be me myself he says like so much else with Sandoval, his peacocking is two things at once, a flagrant display of narcissism and something close to inspiring. Wow, that one singular sentence might really kind of wrap up how this this left me feeling. And I've definitely talked about it before, but I told you guys how I met Peter the one time. I was like grilling him, trying to get the inside scoop. He's the one who told me Max was an asshole, the manager of Tom Tom. And he definitely gives off this macho like trying to be macho vibe with his pecs like bursting out and like trying to seem like he was so above me asking questions about this shit but like secretly I think he liked the attention okay and then the article talks about how the cast and I think it was the Tom Toms were doing 73 cameos in a day to raise uh funds fundraise (laughs) That's what fundraising is, Bailey. Okay. And he says, we go above and beyond. We have a whole setup. I have different color LEDs, a ring light. I have my trumpet, my ukulele, my guitar. We've got jokes, baby jokes, partitory boat jokes, doctor jokes, spouse jokes, lawyer jokes. Like, how do you get a lawyer out of the tree? You cut the rope. He guffaws and tells another one. The cameo had been requested on behalf of a lawyer, so he had plenty. What does the lawyer say to the dog? The prosecution's going to want you to roll over this one. As a lawyer who likes to shit on being a lawyer, I'm not sure these are very funny. I never think a joke about hanging is funny, and maybe I should send him some new material. Then the article ends with this, Jim. I had this crazy idea. It's a horrible idea. I know. But how cool would it be if I had the motorcycle sidecar shipped to New York and rode through Times Square? In the background of the call, his girlfriend Ariana chimes in, People are dying. Kim, people are dying. <laughs> Diamond earring came up in the ocean and it's gone. There's people that are dying. Sandoval's tone changed. These are the ideas I constantly have to talk myself out of, he said. That was just the cost of doing business as Tom Sandoval. These are the extra, extra fucking things that go through my mind all the time. Wow, guys. I mean, poetry, truly. 
16 friends tested positive for coronavirus after one night out by Madeline Agler. Onto our first cut article of the day. So Erica Crisp is a 40-year-old healthcare worker. So keep that in mind. She is a healthcare worker. Of course, from Jacksonville, Florida, my um, birth city. And her, she says her and her friends were doing everything the right way. And then they went to Lynch's Irish Pub on the night of June 6th. Crisp said that she was careful about staying indoors and practicing social distancing, but when Florida reopened its bars on June 5th, she decided to take advantage of the state's lifted restrictions and to go to Lynch's. Days later, she and 15 of her friends all tested positive for COVID-19. Sorry. According to the New York Times, Florida is one of the 21 states currently seeing a rise in the number of COVID-19 cases, with the numbers spiking sharply in the weeks since June 5th, when Governor Ron DeSantis opened the state up for the second phase of his coronavirus economic recovery plan. Chris's own experience has made her skeptical of the state's reopening. We should be wearing masks. We should be social distancing, she said. It was too soon to open everything back up. Y'all, I read this and I was like, holy crap, I'm not leaving my house again. This is what happens. I I just, mm, I hate Ron DeSantis. I hope he hears this and, and hears me. Oh, he's such a little blubbering dickwad. Like, I'm just not a fan. I'm probably going to get a call from my dad about this. Like, you can't be calling our governor a blubbering dickwad. Well, I just did. Okay? I hate him. This is stupid. I feel bad for this girl. Because even she, like, as a healthcare worker, this, like, goes to show the mixed messages we're getting. I think I was talking a couple weeks ago where it's like, yeah, things are opening, but does that mean I should be going out anywhere? Again, I... mm, mm. This is why we don't talk about corona on this podcast, because it's just... It's just a downward slope. I don't know what to say. So on to something way more fun. (laughs) Gwyneth Paltrow is at it again by Kathleen Howe. Guys, guys, guys. First we had the vagina candle and now we have the this smells like my orgasm from GP Gwyneth Paltrow herself slash goop. And Kathleen writes, the new scent is wink, wink, explosive. The candle comes in a box decorated with blown up fireworks and the smell features gunpowder tea, neroli, grapefruit, Turkish rose absolutes, and ripe cassis. The goop site describes the smell as being sexy, surprising, and wildly addictive. Well, okay, I guess any normalization of female sexual pleasure is good, but we all know after watching the goop Netflix series that the next candle should really have either been run the fuck or this smells like my vulva. Father's Day is approaching. Maybe your dad will like it. (laughs) All right. So (laughs) this was particularly funny to me because the other day, Kenzie and I had like an in-depth conversation because I was arguing with her about what the vulva is. And I'm 31 years old. And the fact that I was arguing with her about what part of the vagine the vulva is, which in case you're wondering, it's kind of... Oh, she doesn't like that I call it vagine, but I like saying vagine instead of vagina. It's it's not, not that I have discomfort saying vagina I don't I just think it's an I just think it's cacophonous and I prefer vagine it's like target and target like I'm not one to say target but I will say vagine anyways we were talking about the lack of you know biology sexual health that we get in Florida and um yeah but back to the vulva it's actually like your whole nether region area like it's it's the lobia it's the urethra it's the vagine it's like the whole area in in case you didn't know (laughs) 
So did you guys watch the Goob series? I know we briefly discussed it on here, but I skipped the orgasm one because I just could not watch that with Kenzie. So to this day, I haven't watched it, but maybe I need to before I comment any further on this. But anyways, this stupid ass candle is $75. So instead of buying this candle, why don't you buy one from Coop NYC, which was my last legit shit, or Lit Brooklyn or any myriad of other black owned candle businesses instead of giving $75 to Goop so that you can smell what Gwyneth thinks, thinks orgasms smell like. All right, y'all, this next story is even wilder than orgasm candles. Ex-eBay employees accused of wildly bizarre revenge plot by Kelly Conaboy. According to charges filed by federal prosecutors on Monday, a team of six ex-eBay employees carried out a cyber-stalking campaign against the Massachusetts couple who write an e-commerce newsletter. Okay, so there's a lot to this article. I'm just going to kind of give you the parts that were like really, truly freaking wild to me. So in messages to his co-workers, the eBay executive involved in this said she is a biased troll who needs to get burned down. Burned down is all caps. And this is about the couple who writes the e-commerce newsletter. And I guess they had said some things about eBay that weren't exactly flattering. And these eBay execs were taking issue with it. So they reportedly began messaging the woman who ran the newsletter under a Twitter account with the name Tui Elay, T-U-I underscore E-L-E-I. The messages got increasingly hostile, and then the shipments began, guys. Guys, hold on to your little booties. After the couple received a Halloween mask of a bloody pig's face, the account reportedly messaged them, all caps, do I have your attention now? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Mind you, yours spelled you are. They then received a copy of the book Grief Diaries, Surviving the Loss of a Spouse, followed by a sympathy funeral wreath, fly larvae, live spiders and cockroaches, and pornography that was addressed to the couple but sent to their neighbors. Now, why the hell was that done? Did they just fuck up the address? Whew. I mean, talk about like some psychological warfare. Then, according to the complaint, employees used the excuse of attending a software conference in Boston to travel to the couple's home and attempt to install a GPS monitor on their car. Like, what? However, the car was locked in the garage. Oh, bummer. The next day, according to the Wired report, Harville allegedly bought a screwdriver, painter's tool, pry bar, and rubber clubs. Sorry, Harville's one of the uh, eBay people. FBI Special Agent Mark Wilson wrote in the complaint that he believes Harville intended to use the tools to break into the garage. And the terror didn't end there. A classified ad popped up on Craigslist advertising a block party for singles, couples, swingers at the couple's address, urging attendees to knock on the door, ring the doorbell any time of day or night. That same day, according to the complaint, the 2ELI Twitter account released their address and sent a DM asking, you get my gifts, see you next Thursday, except they just said the C word. In a statement posted on its website Monday, eBay said that all employees involved in the cyber stalking were fired in September 2019. Guys, how is this just coming to light now? If they were fired in September 2019, this means this stuff had to have happened last summer, last fall. And how did, I mean... They keep it under wraps that long. Maybe it's because the plaintiffs knew they were going to bring this lawsuit and they obviously weren't going to say anything to ruin that. But this is just crazy to me that this went on. Like, how petty do you have to be? Because you're mad at what someone's saying about you on the internet? Like, how, like get a grip, honey. Grow a fagine. <laughs> Grow a vulva. <laughs> Okay, next up. Vogue could have looked like this all along by Andrew Wynn. 
So this is an article just talking about this new viral challenge on social media called the Vogue Challenge, and it originated on TikTok. And then it took on new meeting during the Black Lives Matter movement over the past few weeks. And on Twitter and Instagram, thousands of black users are imagining their own versions of Vogue covers. According to Teen Vogue, there's only been one black photographer to shoot a cover in the 127-year history of the publication, and only 21 black women have appeared on the cover solo. Now, with Wintour's belated acknowledgement of racial disparity within the company, black creatives are centering their bodies and talent by adopting the iconic branding imagery. So I totally recommend looking this up on Instagram, hashtag Vogue Challenge, and seeing all these beautiful people, beautiful black people, having their like little modeling shoot, and they basically just Photoshop it to like, put the little Vogue um, title over the picture. And honestly, they are so stunning, so many of them. They literally look like the real magazine and like honestly why when the hell is Anna Wintour gonna be fired she seems scary beyond devil wears Prada BS so I just really don't understand why that hasn't happened yet these kind of nasty people man like they need to get their shiz together and they need to start again we talked about it last week like this isn't about plucking the leaves off you got to get to the roots and I'm I'm thinking Anna might be like kind of a root there our last article of the day, Chris D'Elia accused of soliciting nude photos from underage girls by Meg Wright. Kenzie, is it Chris D'Elia? D'Elia? I think it's D'Elia. Okay, we're going to go with D'Elia. Chris D'Elia has been accused of sexual harassment, including soliciting photos from minors. And this is highly ironic because if you've seen season two of You, his character is a freaky-ass disgusting pedo. I guess art really does imitate real life. So on June 16th, a woman on Twitter named Simone Rossi began a, began a thread by referencing Delia's You role tweeting, I still can't believe Netflix cast Chris as the pedophile in season two of You. Like the literal irony, Rossi followed it up with several rounds of email screenshots allegedly between her and the stand-up when she was 16 years old, which show him asking Rossi to meet up after his live shows as well as asking her for photos. For the longest time, I thought it was embarrassing for me that I was interacting with this older man, Rossi tweeted, but he was the one who DM'd me on Twitter and was the one who was twice my age and was the one that used the power imbalance between us to his advantage. So fuck Chris Delia. In another tweet, she alleged that Delia was aware that she was in high school while communicating with her, considering my entire Instagram was high school football games and spirit days. And then multiple other women tweeted backing her up and sharing their stories that were super similar and one of them says that he told her he could get her backstage this is a girl who was in middle school at the time 14 years old like that just oh when I was watching you I I turned to Kinsey and I was like I swear like isn't he actually like a pedo in real life like hasn't he been accused of that and I don't know if I had just seen something on a blind or if I'm actually a little bit psychic or if you can just kind of throw a rock at any white man in Hollywood and lo and behold they might be a pedo I'm not sure which one it is but I just gonna say I was a little bit psychic about that and Justin Bieber has publicly said in the past that Chris is his favorite comedian so I wonder his thoughts on this I'm waiting for a statement Biebsy all right, our legit shit for the day. KNC all-natural retinol-infused eye mask. Guys, these, I don't know if they work. I really don't freaking know. I don't think they probably do. I don't know. I, I think any little mask you put on for a little bit, I'm like, is it really doing anything? And like, I already use prescription grade 
retin-a on my face so I don't really do I need that I don't I don't know but what I will tell you about these eye masks is they are so freaking cute and they are so cooling and they look like little shooting stars under your eye and they have glitter in them and they are just so stunning and you feel like a little insta baddie and I just need you guys to look at these and maybe get some and we can all take a picture and we can all be like hella cute little sailor moon vibe shooting star I don't know why sailor moon came to mind on that but let's go with it um yeah and I will see you guys next week bye